Welcome to Day Zero Update for October 17th, 2021. I'm your host, Chris Logie. I'm Brandon Parkins. And I'm Daniel Victoria. And yeah, we've got a full crew for the first time in a few weeks. Yep. Uh, we also have uh, a bunch of news here. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've got a game on Steam that has finally gotten an update that people have been waiting 10 years at this point for, something like that. Mm-hmm. Some ridiculous amounts. Uh, let's see. Uh, we got some DC Fandom news. Mm-hmm. Uh, showing off some trailers for two of their new games. Mm. Let's see. Uh, we got the fifth anniversary of the PSVR. Yep. Uh, and Sony's doing something neat to celebrate it. Animal Crossing New, Hi- New Horizons Direct is, uh happened. That's yep. a thing. And managed to anger a large portion of the Nintendo fan base. But not for what you might expect it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Nintendo also had another uh, thing involving uh, their most recent release. Yeah. Uh, a big bug will tell you what it is, how to avoid it. Uh, we also got uh, some unfortunate news about the development of that game. Yeah. Uh, We'll talk about that as well. And uh, we got an update on the whole California versus uh, the feds thing in regarding to Activision Blizzard Mm -hmm. uh, as well. So we got a good bit of stuff here. We'll get to that all in a little bit. Let's uh, begin by talking about what we have been playing. I will kick it off here. Uh, We'll talk about Metroid Dread in a little bit. Uh, Mm. But uh, one of the other new games I've been playing is The Good Life. Mm. Uh, Swery's new game yeah, that came out on pretty much everything uh, PC, Xbox, Switch and PS4 uh, I think it is on Game Pass but I played the PS4 version and having backed it I got my code for that yesterday mm. I've played a few hours of it so far and I'm liking it a lot so far uh, in sort of the way that Kina was uh, Kina uh, Bridge of Spirits, I think it's the name of that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was described as like, oh, it's like a PS2, you know, action adventure game kind of thing. Uh, this is a PS2 game, and kind of how it looks and how kind of it works. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, being very ambitious for what it's trying to do as a PS2 game, but now made in 2021 as yeah. a, a small budget Kickstarter game. The so the whole premise is that you are this like photojournalist, Naomi, that has been given this assignment by her news studio, whatever, mm-hmm. that she works for, to go to this town, Rainy Woods, that is the so-called happiest town in the world. Yeah. That, though they say it was like 30 years ago they earned it. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, there's there's got to be something going on here. Uh, so we need to send you here to get pictures of stuff as we uh, give missions to you and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, so your primary mode of doing stuff is, you know, you hold left trigger to aim your camera uh, mm-hmm. and right trigger to take shots. Uh, you can buy upgrades and such for your cameras, buy new cameras themselves for better shots because your initial one is just kind of a shitty black and white Camera takes like very low res shots. If you're at night, you can barely see anything. Mm-hmm. 
but you upload those pictures to a site called Flamingo, uh, sort of a picture-focused site, which uh, from there you can earn money based on how many views you get for your shots. And you see every day there's like a list of hashtags for things people are interested in, which like the first week was like, hashtag rats, hashtag Mm -hmm. nocturnal animals, hashtag show me meats, something like that. Yeah. Some weird stuff. One was like hashtag pretty women sitting, (laughs) pretty ladies sitting. I was like, that's creepy. Okay. And I never saw (laughs) any uh, women sitting in a way. I took a picture of there's one girl in a wheelchair, but she apparently didn't count. Mm hmm. Uh, for that, so uh, you're trying to take stuff. If you got you know, one or more uh, of those hashtags, even when you're aiming your camera, you can pull up the list just in case. But it also show you like a little exclamation point mm-hmm. on the item that in question would get you some big hits, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So uh, you're doing that as well as some of your uh, missions you're getting from your your bosses. Uh, we'll give you, tell you like take pictures of these people and upload them. Somehow you can't up, can't just send them to them or mm-hmm. anything like that because they describe your internet as being shitty uh, and your computer being like an old computer that you're using in this town. Uh, so you just upload it to the uh, the flamingo, and I guess they pull it down from there. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they uh, you get money for that, but you're also trying to pay off like a thirty. 30 million pound debt you have to them somehow. Mm-hmm. I guess ultimately I think you just uh, completes all the, the main missions or whatever, and they pay it off for you. They cover, consider it covered or whatever. I don't know. I haven't seen all that much on that side, but yeah, the, uh, the story of this town is that there's like a weird secret, uh, maybe a, a bad secret. I don't know. Yeah. As but that by the, to happen. Yeah, but uh, near the end of your first day, uh, the woman in the wheelchair is like, oh, you need to go home and lock your doors and not come out at night. Which your character is like, that's weird. Uh, so that means I'm definitely going to go do that. Uh, get outside and see what's going on. Finds out, oh, there's all these cats and dogs running around. Yeah. Uh, as you find out these people turn into cats and dogs at night. Well, except for the wheelchair lady. Uh, that you kind of follow around and then lead you to this witch. Uh, Twitch, if you got the vibe of this game, I was like, I don't think it's an actual witch. I, I'm i going to guess it's a stoned lady. Mm. <laughs> some sort of drug lady. And yep. Yeah. It was like a uh, kind of voodoo drug lady, something mm-hmm. weird like that. Uh, all that kind of stuff. Also, the sign on her door, uh, her, above her door was like a... Uh, some witch house pharmacy, but misspelled it without the R. <laughs> pharmacy. Which mm-hmm. I'm like, you guys needed an English speaker to go over these various texts you have around the town. Yeah. Uh, Flamingo, the site has the same thing where in the top corner uh, where it says, you know, Flamingo, and it has like a little catchphrase. Uh, they misspell photographers. They spell it right <laughs> once. Then right next to it, misspell it without the first O. There's a lot of little weird stuff like that to it. It's like, I can tell this game was made by a bunch of Japanese dudes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe with not the best grasp of English and 
not having editors to yeah. proofread everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I hope that stuff kind of gets fixed. The other issue I've had is more a technical one where there's like a lot of pop in uh, and mm. pop out, I guess, uh, to describe the way it, like the environment like pops out even when you're inside of a building. Mm. You'll be like talking to a character and as you're looking at the menu for whatever you're buying from them or just talking to them, like the the building kind of flickers in and out of existence like for like half a second. Mm. In a way, it's like, I don't think this is supposed to be happening like this. Uh, it happens when you're outside of buildings, when you're running around in fields, uh, inside buildings, in the towns, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, obviously, it's nothing that like ruins the game or anything, but it's definitely like a, I kind of wish this wasn't an issue. Mm. So it made everything look uh, a little more cohesive instead of seeming like a like a little bit of a rough launch for mm. it. Uh, but yeah, the, the story is pretty nice so far. The characters are nice and weird. Uh, there's uh, I had this whole weird side quest where this dude that runs the B&B, which stands for Black Coffee and Breakfast, mm-hmm. uh, even though it's also an inn, that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, he's convinced that the angel of death is after him. Mm. And so you go to where he saw the dark shadow. Yeah. And, it, and it's a scarecrow. Mm. And he's like, you go going to get paid for showing him this picture. And he's like, oh, okay, maybe that's not the angel of death. But I saw another one over here. Uh, so you need to get another picture of that. I go over there, and it's again, it's another scarecrow. Mm. He's like, okay, but I know I really saw it over here in the in this lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, you're not going to be able to get close to it, but if you take a good enough picture, it'll be fine. You go take a picture and take it back, and he's like, I don't know, you're not really zoomed in on this uh, this angel of death, and so I had to go buy a. Uh, telephoto lens uh the new one is like way more expensive than mm-hmm. buying an old one that's used uh that i guess he calls refurbished the guy that sells them to you yeah uh so yeah when you go to get money out of flamingo you can deposit to your account which then you have to go to an atm and pull out which i'm kind of disappointed you can't just tell it the exact amount you want out of there yeah you have to do it by like one pound, 10 pounds, 100 pounds, or all of it. I guess I could do all of it because I don't know there's any real need to keep it all in there. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I can deposit it back in. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I should just take it all out. But I'm going to be like, if I don't need it, I don't need it. But I bought that and then got it taken and, you know, showed the guy. And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess that's not the angel of death either. I don't know why there's a scarecrow in the middle of a lake whatever mm-hmm. uh but yeah this this map is pretty huge for the game the way the setup the way it is mm-hmm. uh because there's like this town and there's a lot of like fields and such all around the place uh and it has like breath of the wild style shrines around <laughs> which at night you can see like the red lights shining up mm-hmm. showing like oh here's one i haven't been to uh but yeah that's it lets you warp between them for a cost. And there's also, there's like a lot of weird mechanics and such to worry about. There's like 
I have health meter. I have like a uh, a life meter. I have a stomach meter. Mm-hmm. I have stamina meter. Uh, all this weird sort of meters you you know eat food and such. <laughs> uh, you can also collect a bunch of you know seeds you can plant in your garden to grow stuff yourself. Uh, you can also just go to the grocery store and buy ingredients that you need. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also just go to the the pub and buy food there. I bought. Like my health bar had gotten so low, or it was at zero. So I went to the mm. pub and bought a health pie. <laughs> it just it feels like seventy five percent of it. So it's very, very Japanese kind of. Oh yeah. On some of the stuff, but it's also got like actual British food in there as well. It's pretty neat. It also has like British history in it, uh, where they're talking about some ancient stuff that happened. As mentioning, like the revolutions that have happened in British history, like the was it the Glorious Revolution and the yep. Puritan Revolution? Uh-huh. Somehow that's related to what's going on here right now, but uh, they get brought up in some story bits uh, for some reason. It was like, okay, I get a little bit of British history, sure. Uh, but yeah, that's... As any little town, there's like a lot of weird stuff going on. I, I've heard there's like mining is a thing in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, another weird thing is you... You take this potion that the the witch doctor gives you and lets you turn into a cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can just do that anytime, just hitting mm-hmm. right on the D pad, then morph back into human form, which is useful because cats can actually jump. Your human self cannot jump, which is unlike mm-hmm. most video game characters when jumping is involved, mm-hmm. where you can jump like multiple times your own height. That makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas this lady, when she's in human form, she can jump like Six inches. That's it. Mm. Uh, she's very much not athletic at all. But when you get cat form, you can jump over the the various walls and fences and such that are around this British town mm. uh, kind of thing. Uh, there's also like fences that it's like, oh, you got to spend 10 pounds to unlock this. Which I'm like, that's fucking weird. Mm. That seems like just another funnel for money to keep you grinding away at that stuff. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think the, the game so far has been uh, pretty fun. As sort of something that's just very weird, some humorous type stuff going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice little premise. Kind of just a style of game that doesn't really happen. Like, look in all this. Or yeah. Which does look like a PS2 game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Extremely. Which is oh. uh, good and bad. Mm. Good, if, good because it's... Uh, it's at a scale. It's not like you know GTA Five, where it's an absurd amount of space to explore. Though it kind of is an absurd amount of space for what this game should have. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious to see like what the other missions ask me to do uh, for that. But yeah, that's been the good life. Like mm-hmm. it a lot. Looking forward to put some more time into that. Uh, let's see. I picked up a game on sale on PSN called R Type Final Two, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know a sequel to R-Type Final, which was supposed to be the last R-Type game. Yeah. <laughs> Hence the name. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of hilarious in a way that mm-hmm. you know, it's like when you're naming files, you're like, oh, final, final, final. Uh, you know, that kind of stuff. For the, They just made another R-Type game. It's mm-hmm. very hard. Yep. As uh, R-Type uh, games tend to be. Yeah, they have difficulty options. In the game, so when you start up a new run, there's like normal. I think there's two above that that are harder. 
mm-hmm. in front of the net, and there's two below it that are like kids in practice. The practice lets you like slow down things. So if you want to, you know, slow down enemies and all that to get your uh, sort of learn what's going on, that you can do that. Mm-hmm. I did a stream earlier for about an hour or so uh, on normal difficulty and was getting wrecked constantly. Mm-hmm. And it does the shmup thing where, you know, you can get uh, upgrades and such as you're playing, but if you die, it sort of checkpoints at certain points and uh, you lose all your upgrades. So you start from there with less upgrades than you had before. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually is able to get you at least one or two upgrades if you're right near a boss or something. So you can't, so you're not necessarily starting from scratch. Mm. Uh, but control wise, it's pretty neat as well as you have, I think L1 and L2, you can use to increase or decrease the speed of your ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like four levels Four is like ridiculously fast to the point of maybe not having great control over it. Uh, but I think you start like level two mm-hmm. when you spawn in. So if you need more speed, uh, you just bump it up. But also at the risk of, you know, losing your ability to find control, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just also, you know, your attack, you can push square to shoot your shot. You can hold it in for a charge attack. Uh, you can also hold in uh, circle or R2 to do a rapid fire shot. Mm. And like, I bought the base game and the expansion pack, which has like three extra sets of levels in it. Mm-hmm. I think all kind of throwback levels from what I can tell. Uh, but I just played the the main campaign stuff. So I got like the third stage. And I think, I'm not sure which, if some of these ships have, there's like three ships I can start with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they all have different uh, abilities to them. Uh, so there's some neat stuff there. You have a lot of like customization for the ships, mostly cosmetic, big different color schemes. Uh, you can put stickers on them, uh, which you can unlock with the R points you get in the shop. Uh, mm. There's also some other currencies. I have no clue what they are for. Uh, you can also buy some of them in the shop. It's weird. It, the game doesn't explain anything about what the point of those things are for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even looked in the manual, and it's just like, that just explains all the mechanics in the game mm. itself, but not, you know, what the fuck these this Ethereum and all this other stuff is for. Uh, so there's a lot of the other stuff. I'm going to probably have to Google and find out Pulp Wiki that explains everything for me. Mm-hmm. There's some things I was like, I don't, I don't know what this other currency is for. Uh, if I get other stuff later on, but yeah, that's more our type. I'm liking it mm-hmm. a lot so far. Uh, I get stupid to name your difficulties to make fun of people on the easier difficulties. Mm-hmm. Like calling it kids difficulty, that thing still fucking wrecked me on kids. So it's, you know, it's like when Ninja Gaiden had the, uh, what was it? It's like Ninja Dog difficulty, something like that. Or we tried to make fun of people that pl- had to play on easy. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, oh, you guys don't need to fucking do that. Shit. Yeah, just name it easy. Uh, at least there's the the easiest one's just called practice. Because I think sh- shmups. You generally want to start on the easiest difficulty just to learn mm. what's going on. Then you move up as you get better. Yeah. But here is kind of kind of starts hard even on the easy, at least the, the easiest. This isn't like a practice mode kind of difficulty. Mm. Uh, but yeah, there's that. And 
Uh, also been playing more Rocket League. I'll talk more about that a little bit later. Uh, the new event that is going on. Uh, but yeah, having fun with that. But uh, that's been pretty much it. How about you, Brandon? Uh, well, as for me, my primary gaming, uh, since I don't really have any uh, new stuff to play right now, is I've still been playing Fallout New Vegas. Um, which, uh, as I've seen said in the past, this was a game that you know, I had been meaning to play for well over a decade now. Um, I just, for whatever reason, either some things came up or, you know, there were other games I wanted to play or just whatever. The game ended up sort of falling by the wayside and I ended up uh, finally starting to actually play it the last couple weeks. And I'm honestly shocked that it took me this long because it is an amazing game. Um, it is so superior to Fallout 3 and really even Fallout 4 that I'm surprised that this was a game that Obsidian only made in like 18 months because this game has layers to it that you would think they must have worked years on this thing. No, just 18 months, that's it. Um, I've long since um, you know left Vault and I've gone out and doing my courier job. I've already uh, contact, gotten contacts with the NCR and I've talked with Mr. House a couple times and got him his platinum chip. I also crossed over the Colorado River and talked to Caesar. Just a bunch of amazing stuff that is in this game. There's this one part of the game called Vault 22. And what's so neat about it is there's like six different quests in this game that will eventually lead you to this location which in and of itself is pretty amazing because you can actually go to this location very early on with uh, getting a uh, quest to try and find some mantis eggs from like fairly early in the game. Um, I didn't actually go to get it until like towards the middle, but I found out that like there's a bunch of different ways you can end up going in the, to this particular location. And what it's neat, neat about it is there's like all this environmental storytelling that ha that's happening when you encounter it. Um, basically what led me there is I was given a mission by uh, sort of people from the science and research division of the NCR uh, to go to this place because apparently inside the vault, there were scientists that had been working on uh, trying to improve crop yields, um, which, you know, in a wasteland like the fallout universe, that's kind of important. And when you get there, you see just a whole bunch of, like, flowers and grass and stuff just bursting out of the vault. But there's also this crudely plant sort of painted sign out front that says, do not enter, the plants kill. <laughs> and um, what happens is you go in and you'll notice there's, like, all these weird, like, tufts of grass and flowers, like, bursting through the walls or in corners. They're, like coming up out of the floor. And then if you look just closely enough, you'll look and see, huh, there seems to be something that's moving. And by the time you find out what it is that's moving, you're dead. <laughs> because what it is is they're called spore carriers. They're like these weird, eyeless, green humanoid things that blend into the fo foliage and are basically impossible to see while they're inside those those uh, plant growths until they decide to make themselves known. And they are a bitch to kill. Um, 
even with like the stronger weapons like shotguns and the cowboy repeater, which is one of my personal favorites, uh, and even the energy weapons, they're pretty strong. Um, it is not easy to kill them. Um, and then, of course, you know, you got, you know, plants that are actually alive and carnivorous. And there's like a huge colony of like violent mantis, giant mantises down there that are also trying to kill you. It's just damn good. It's a damn good game. It's over a decade old and it shows its age, but somehow it still manages to hold up extremely well. Um, damn, it's so good. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, it's what I've been playing. So, Dan Rep, what about... To, oh, oh, actually, um, the other thing, um, I'm planning on going to GameStop this week and getting a copy of uh, Alan Wake Remastered because uh, I never actually played the original Alan Wake and I've heard great things about it. And uh, considering I loved playing Control, which was Remedy's last game, and uh, you know that game is actually kind of tangentially related to Alan Wake, I kind of feel uh, obligated to play it now. Also, apparently, with the remake, they added a couple of extra chapters to it. So, we'll see. But yeah, so that's what I've been doing. Dan Rab, what about you? I've been playing a bunch of different stuff. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, starting with Far Cry 6. Uh, I've had this game for a while. Um, I've had it maybe like a few days before launch, and... Yeah, I don't know if um, any of you guys or any of our, like, listeners have, like, read or watched any of the reviews and stuff, but um, with Far Cry 6, it's a really, really big game. Um, oh, yeah. I'm not saying, like, it's good or bad, but it is huge. And, you know, um, normally I pride myself on being able to beat an embargo, but I just couldn't do it with this game because there was just so much content in it. Uh, aside from the fact that I'm not even good at first-person shooters. So mm-hmm. just to go off my history with Far Cry, I have no history with it at all. I have never played mm-hmm. any of the series, don't even know what it's about. I just thought it was some jungle first-person shooter. So then when, when I popped this game in, or whenever, when, when I redeemed my code, I'm like, oh, it's um, it's an open world, and your main source of combat is, you know, your your guns. And you, and it's a, you know, a hardcore first-person shooter in, a, in that regard. And... Mm-hmm. My, my my main issue with the game is that everything you do is first person. Like even when you yep. hop in your car and your vehicles, that's in first person too, which I don't yep. understand because it makes all the controls that was worse. especially that was especially uh, infuriating with Far Cry Three because there's a good chunk of that game where you're using a, a hang glider. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, the hang glider is in first person. Yeah, yeah. The angles get all messed up, so you always want to make sure that everything you do is front facing, so that's it's 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 not all that bad. But yeah, that's one thing I had to get used to. And but yeah, the there's driving, why... there's driving also, which is yeah, a whole lot of know, driving. And it's not from like outside vehicle. No, it's inside from the driver's seat. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 in total first person cockpit mode, which is fine. You know, like uh, I'm used to that. Like you know, playing Daytona in the arcade. But yeah. then, you know, when you're in the car and all of a sudden you're being shot at left and right, you know, you move the camera over. But then when you're driving, you still have to maintain, like, your point of view. And, you know, I, I, I get that uh, that's a realistic thing because, like, when you're driving, you want to be, you know, facing where you're actually going instead of, like, being mm-hmm. attacked by whatever. But Well, also, yeah. to be completely fair, um, a person in an actual car has far more control of, over the acceleration than you 
almost ever will in a video game. Exactly. Plus, I mean, in, 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 in a video game or in any driving game, how often are you actually going to hold the brake? So, exactly. There's that. So, um, anyway, though, like, again, I, I have absolutely no um, uh, history with this series. The main reason why I got into it, in all honesty, is the fact that I am a stand for Giancarlo Esposito. Um, I love every role he's ever played, you know, from uh, uh, from the Chicken Man in Breaking Bad to uh, uh, Moff Gideon in, in The Mandalorian to even, like, mm. one of the guys in uh, Once Upon a Time. Like, the guy is just a fantastic actor, a fantastic villain, and I had to get my hands on this game. And uh, he himself, he, he he doesn't do a bad job at all. Like, he is... He is as advertised, he is as badass as, like, all of the marketing made him out to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the story is actually pretty good. The problem is that, like I said, the game is huge. It is a oh, yeah. game. And um, the reason why is because, uh, again, it's not even really about him. It's about, um, so, you're the main character. Uh, your name is Danny Rojas. You could be a male or female, whatever it may be. Not the Danny Rojas to be confused with the Danny Rojas from uh, Ted Lasso, of course. Mm. Um, I had to, ha- I had to put that in there. Cause it's a great show. Um, but yeah, you uh, all of a sudden see your town attacked. Um, your 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 former military, and all of a sudden um, you're appointed to pretty much uh, lead the charge of a whole bunch of radicals to um, you know infiltrate. Uh, uh, the, the the dictator's base, and mm-hmm. in this time, like you know, you you start off with nothing. Like obviously, you're a badass, but you want to be able to recruit people to your cause, and that's where the game opens up. And the game opens up in such a way where it'll pretty much uh tell you where to go first. But aside from that, you know, you have the you have the open ability to go wherever you want. And for me, like you know, I mean, you you've all played uh, open world games before. There's always a golden path. Um, with this, it wasn't immediately obvious. Like, you look at the map, and, like, not every mission um, available had a star on it or, you know, was uh, a mission that's actually required. And you actually have to play through a few of them in order to, like, you know, be able to unlock these required missions. And while I understand that it uh, does a good job to um, give you a bit about the background and the story building, you know, eventually you just want to play the game because of the story. I mean, I actually knocked down the difficulty a bit just so I could get through the game faster. And that hasn't been... Um, I'm about maybe 28, 30 hours of the way through. I think I have one more person to recruit into um, my party. Uh, but I still don't know if that means I'm near the end. Um, yeah. I was looking at how long to beat with all the Far Cries. And apparently before 6, the longest Far Cry was 18 hours. And I was 18 hours in like within the first few days. So uh, that was a little surprising. But yeah, uh, aside from that... like. Uh, the, the the gameplay is rock solid. Um, aside from your typical first person shooter stuff, you also have like uh, this mechanism you, you you put on your back that allows you to do other things. Like um, mm. you have a poison power up. You can uh, make make things explode when you're near them. Like they 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 pretty much give you an uh, a multiplayer ultimate move, uh, mm-hmm. if you will. And that really gives it a, a certain um, wrinkle that you know makes makes it a bit more interesting. Um, but yeah. Uh, I'm not done with the game yet, so I'm not really uh, ready to give it a verdict, but I'm definitely enjoying it so far, and the story is interesting, all the characters are interesting, it just has a lot of bullshit in between. It's like watching an anime with a whole lot of, uh, whole lot of useless episodes, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, aside from that, I've been doing a little bit of travel, so I've been um, playing a bit more Switch, and uh, the two main games I've been playing are, um, well, I'll talk about the first one, is No Longer Home. Uh, that was a game that came out on PC and other, other platforms, uh, 
few months ago, and this is mm. a pretty much a walking simulator or a narrative story about these two guys who uh, graduated college and have, they have no idea about what's going to happen in the future. Uh, so it's a whole lot of like mellow stuff combined with a lot of like optical illusions to really give it like the feel of a video game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was playing on the plane, and I don't know for for the most part, I was like really bored by it. Um, it seemed interesting, but I don't really see myself uh, finishing it. I have to check like how long it is before I really decide I want to commit to it. Uh, I'll talk about the other Switch game later. Um, the one game um, in the last podcast that I forgot to talk about was Life is Strange: True Colors. Um, this game is awesome. Life is Strange: mm-hmm. True Colors definitely blew me away from beginning to end. Um, if you're if you don't know about what uh, what makes this separate from the rest of the series, it's the fact that uh, Square Enix and um, Deck Nine decided to give us all five chapters from the get go. You know, we mm-hmm. didn't have to worry about buying any of these chapters uh, piecemeal. And the result was a game that you know I was totally uh, uh, I was totally committed to from beginning to end, and I, I, I beat it in a in the course of two days, and it was it was just awesome. Each chapter mm. had um, a certain level of uniqueness and importance to the, uh, to the story, and um, it was just 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 really cool being a part of that. Um, walking through uh, what's called New Haven, Colorado, it's a, it, it's a fake valley uh, town, um, and um, it really has like a life of its own. It was really enjoyable um, just walking around there, getting to know the people. And uh, the main power um, in this uh, story is uh, the main character has. Uh, she's a what's it called? Uh, she, she's she's an empath. She's so an she empath. Has, yes. Yeah, she has the ability to uh, see what other people are saying, and don't overuse it. Like uh, you would think that you'd be able to use it on every single person, but it's really only used to um, like make decisions and. Uh, that's really what this series has, all, has always been about. Like, it follows a telltale model of storytelling where you want to make difficult decisions. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Walking Dead, you know, basically it's like who dies and who doesn't. And, you know, that's whatever. These are a whole lot more cerebral. Like, uh, the first uh, uh, episode in the story, uh, you, you meet um, your brother's girlfriend's son, who mm-hmm. is really into comic books and... Uh, that's the way that he gets along with everybody in the city. And then he tells the main character that, hey, I'm going to go sneak out uh, to the mountain later on so I could, uh, you know, find this monster or whatever. And, yeah. you know, you don't want to be a little kid going to, like, the mines in the mountains, you know, a few miles away because, you know, some shit's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, you're, you're brought to the decision of, oh, should I tell his parents about it? Or should I go ahead and be his friend and keep it a secret? And... Um, you would think that it, it, it's an easy decision, but um, I, I ended up just, uh, you know, telling my brother about it because, you know, you got to watch out for the safety of kids and stuff. And mm. at the same time, like, you know, the morality of like, you know, should should I uh, have this kid like hate me now? And, you know, being someone new in town, you know, that's not exactly something you want to do right away. Mm. And uh, yeah, like there's, there, there's a lot of uh, cool things to it. Again, this game is developed by Deck Nine, not Don't Nod. So Deck Nine was responsible for the prequel series. uh uh, before the storm, and that one didn't have mm-hmm. any uh, powers attached to the game. Uh, it was just uh, really well done with its storytelling, and this one is able to encapsulate them both in such a way where it's awesome. And one of the best things from before the storm was uh, you meet this uh, girl named Steph who uh, played Dungeon Dungeons and Dragons with you, and it seemed super realistic. Mm-hmm. So that girl is actually in um, Life is Strange: True Colors as one yeah. of the. Love interests, and mm-hmm. she is beyond awesome in this game. 
And I don't want to give away too much, but um, you do another uh, role-playing thing in a in a future episode in the game, and mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I'll I'll just say that uh, yeah, Square Enix is the king of uh, RPGs, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, so that that's Life is Strange Two Colors. The uh, the, the DLC episode came out a few weeks ago, and uh, I haven't played that yet, so I'll, I'll mm-hmm. get my hands on it. Um, I've also been playing a, a little bit of Nickelodeon All-Stars Brawl. Um, mm. This game is pretty much Super Smash Brothers with Nickelodeon characters, except mm. it doesn't have the love that, you know, Super Smash Brothers obviously gets. Like, obviously, you know, um, Masahiro Sakurai has gotten all sorts of respect within the industry because every DLC character he puts in the game is put in there with so much love and care and attention. Like, you know, when you use Sora, when you use Fox, they actually feel like the way they should be used if they were in their own games. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the best joke I've heard is that, oh, yeah, um, Super Smash Bros. is the best Kingdom Hearts game and, and whatnot. And, you know, like, all, all of that is there because, like, the, the, the care and attention for um, for the fans of each of these uh, games' characters is definitely in here. With Nickelodeon, like, it's weird because, like, this is something that should work. And one of the reasons why it should work is because uh, they pretty much copied Super Smash Bros. Like, the controls are exactly the same. You have the triple jump. You have an attack, you have stronger attacks, and they're all performed in the same way. Granted, it's a little different when you're using a PlayStation or Xbox controller as compared to a Nintendo controller, but again, mm. the controls are all the same, except that they're just a little less responsive. Like, you know, the punches don't seem like they punch as well as Super Smash Bros. There is a bit of a lag with the input buttons there, and, 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 and that sucks. And unfortunately, that's something we kind of expect from a you know unknown developer um, with, with these games. But... Yeah, the, the the most disappointing thing is that, you know, I'm I'm 32. I grew up with Nickelodeon a little bit. I lost cable when I was in second grade. So I lost cable when CatDog came out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, 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 have a, I have an appreciation for these characters. I, I know Tommy Pickles. I know SpongeBob SquarePants. I know, you know, the Avatar dudes. I know the, I know the Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Like, all of these characters, like, um, had, like, some sort of important part of, like, the, the media part of my life. And... Mm-hmm. You know, seeing them portrayed in the game is cool, but you don't have the music, you don't have the voices, and I'm like, yeah, they for whatever weird reason that there are, none of the voice actors are in. Yes, yeah. like so strange. Um, I, 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 I I totally understand, like you know, not having the budget to bring back any voice actors, but not even the music, not even the f- familiar Nickelodeon noises, like you know, you know, slimes and foghorns and whatnot. None of that is there. It's all just generic shit, and I'm like. Wow, like it's it's a totally missed opportunity because you know that this game could be a hitter. It just mm-hmm. is because the effort's not there, and that's sad. Um, and yeah, uh, how, how did you want to talk about this next game, Chris? Do you want me to just start now, or yeah, y'all go ahead and step in. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I've talked a bit about it last week, so go ahead and talk about what you're thinking about it. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I started Metroid Dread. I'm about maybe two or three hours into the game. I've only played it on the plane. I haven't actually. Uh, uh, booted up on my actual Switch yet. I mean, I picked up a Switch OLED and I haven't even opened that yet, so I don't even I don't really have any impressions as for how the OLED plays. But as for Metroid Dread, um, I just, just just to give a brief history on that, I've beaten all the 3D Metroids, but the only 2D Metroid I've actually beaten was Zero Mission. Um, I've never finished Super Metroid, I've never finished Fusion, and I've never finished uh, the new Part Two. Um, this one, so. It's 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 hard to say whether I'm gonna want to finish it because I'm I am definitely feeling the difficulty with this one, but at the same time it's a fair difficulty. Um, uh, so far I'm 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 definitely enjoying it. Uh, the controls are pretty much uh, similar to what they were with um, 
with a uh, Metroid Two on 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 three DS. Yeah, with the whole uh, with the whole counter move and whatnot. And yeah, I'm I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it. The, the the things that are making it particularly hard for me, aside from its actual challenge, is um, I haven't um, exactly mastered its controls yet like you know i'll, I'll yeah. still press the wrong button as far as sliding i'll press the wrong button as far as preparing a missile and things like that and eventually like you know samus isn't even at her strongest point yet so if i'm having trouble trying to yeah. figure out the controls now mm-hmm. i can only imagine how much trouble i'll have when she's actually fully powered but you know yeah, that's i kind of wish you could remap some stuff exactly like remapping would have totally been nice um i do like that for example when she really start um being able to fight the emmys i do like that they do sort of uh, provide you with a way of how to use like you know those those hyper weapons or or whatever they yeah. are. Yeah, though it's um, cool. it was long enough between doing that and when I could actually take out the first one mm-hmm. that I was in that I've forgotten everything. Exactly. Yeah, you you, you forget everything, and and uh, the fact that uh, they also add a little bit more to it. Like I don't remember like having to burn the face off and then shoot it uh, for, yeah. for 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 that, for that to be a thing. So because like, they do uh, that with the door, and I never connected. Like oh, you're supposed to do that to the Emmy too. Mm. Exactly. So I was like, so I lined up the shot and I took it and it didn't count. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, oh. Um, but like the, the the most impressive thing about Metroid Dread to me is the fact that this game has been rumored for like almost a decade, which which leads me to believe that this game has pretty much been mapped out for a while. And you know, over the last decade, we've had games like you know, uh, Hollow Knight. We've had uh, named Shovel Knight. Like we've had a lot of other like indie or axiom verge we've had a lot of um uh different kinds of metroidvanias all awesome all as good as super metroid yet metroid dread is it's still better than all of them um i've already put in more time than like all uh, most of those other games i've mentioned in it and it's just because it has a better loop um it it the the difficulty in my opinion comes from both the bosses as well as like those little sections where you have to like run away but i actually like um Having having to go through all that, it was a little awkward because there was this one point where uh, I kept dying. I knew why I was dying, and I still didn't like you know do the right thing. And yeah, so like I I, I swore at my switch, and again I was on an airplane, so I was like, okay, cool, people are gonna look at me. This is great. So Danner, and, uh, what is your last upgrade that you've gotten? Just so I know where you're at in this. I I'm not really sure. I don't remember what the last upgrade was. It's been it's it's been a okay. Few days, then you've probably I did. Are you in the which area you? are you in then? Um, I, I just beat this boss where you had to keep attacking its head and its lit tail. Okay, the, the scorpion boss, okay. Yeah, that one. That's where you get... I forget what you get out of that one. It's something non, not super consequential. But, yeah, it, it, okay, it, so you're it, it not, seems pretty trivial from what I remember. Um, yeah. Uh, but no, I, you, get I, its, I, you get the cloaking ability out of it. Okay. Yeah, 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 there you go. I, I got the cloaking ability. Um... I'm wondering when the hell I'm going to get the morph ball because I, I'm seeing so many like crevices I can crawl into, but I can't yet because it's weird because normally yeah, they do. They do a whole weird thing. I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but they do a whole weird sequence that is unlike anything that I've seen them do in the series. Mm-hmm. That is the entire reason I got lost for an hour because I did it just before I went to bed and completely forgot that that was the thing I was supposed to do. So I went to every other part of the map with the upgrades I had uh, and all that. And I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? And then I looked up a guide and it's like, oh, you just go through this thing. It's like, oh, yeah, that thing I did two days ago, like right before I got to bed. I was pissed and I just saved and quit the game. Yeah, like, I, just I mean, getting lost, it. In, getting lost in any Metroid is like one of the most... Uh... 
uh, it's like upsetting and amazing things that you like you could possibly do because like obviously the Metroid games have always like uh, um, featured exploration and you know making whatever your own making mistakes and whatever and like so I was lost for about forty five minutes and I was doing everything from looking at the map to you know the, the the funny thing is when you backtrack backtracking is hard too because like sometimes paths get closed or like um, yeah. you know for some for some reason or another uh, it, it it they become impossible to get back to just because you know you have to get another ability to to get back to that original spot but yeah there there was a point in the game where I was lost and then the the answer was oh shoot this wall away and I was like god damn it come on um, yeah there are walls that are not uh, necessarily easy to tell that they're either just shooting yeah. walls or ones that have require, you know, a missile or upgrades to that kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. You kind of have to weirdly shoot them with missiles to reveal that. And then it gets added to the map as like, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. The one thing I really miss though, um, when comparing it to um, the 3DS Metroid is, you know, just having the map on another screen because, you know, having to pull up the map with the pause button is like extremely annoying. Yeah. And it's super thing, annoying when you're hanging off those blue pads. Yes. That if you are, if you pull your body up, like when you're cloaked, it mm-hmm. closes because you hit left on the D-pad to like bring out a bigger view of it. When yeah. you go to pull your body up, it closes that back down because that's technically movement. But you uh, can't put it up while you're up against the ceiling. Yeah, that's crazy. It's like I really stupid why you can't just leave it in that bigger view, especially when you're in the ME zone, because you want to know when they're in a nearby room. Yeah, um, you want all I, the space you can see. I also don't understand why they they couldn't just put a mini map on the on the action screen like whenever yeah. possible. Like, it, it, and it, when you're it, aiming, free aiming, the mini map goes away. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's been a little tough. Um, and then the other thing is like part of the uh, part of the pleasure of playing a game like this is just you know filling the map up. And the Metroid map works a little bit differently, where like. Uh, if you've been in a room, it'll show you like the entire thing of the room, but it won't highlight everything. And yeah, I I, I made a habit of like jumping to like making sure that every part of every room I'm in is filled. Uh, but apparently, you didn't know which there's, areas you didn't go through. Yeah, well, no, no, there's that. But apparently, like, there's no reward for for actually filling, you know, the map up. So yeah, I was trying to figure out. I was like, is there a map percentage here? There, there which is. I'm glad there isn't because <laughs> it's because I remember playing. I forget what the game is called. Uh, let me see if I can figure out. But basically, a lot uh, of the things that I've been trained to do in a Metroid game are no longer things to you know worry about. So that's that's been a little bit of an adjustment. But other than that, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a good bit further than you. I've gotten to the fourth area. Basically, once you get over the hurdle of the next boss, uh, the next area, and you get your uh, you know, upgrades that let you deal with a lot of the annoying things you've probably seen on the map that you're like, when the fuck do I get to explore these areas mm-hmm. uh, and do the other stuff, you know, morph ball areas. Uh, I'll tell you like the Emmy, like those little spot, the essentially the morph ball sized tunnels that they can go through. Those mm-hmm. can open up for you. So that's uh, a good thing there, but they can also hide shit in there. Uh, but yeah, like my, I've been enjoying this, but I'm also uh, enjoying uh, some other things that other games have done. Like Axiom Verge 2, I think, does a better job of at least giving you an idea of where you need to go uh, for the next objective, whereas this kind of 
because when I was, you know, lost for that good hour before I just looked it up, yeah. uh, I would have enjoyed it, it saying like, no, here's the place you should be uh, if you weren't so stupid and played this right before bed and, you know, failed the thing you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a boss coming up that is pretty annoying uh, because so it gets to a point where I have over like 60 missiles. I just have a ridiculous amount of missiles. And they build boss fights where you just kind of spam that stuff uh, and your other attacks and all that kind of stuff in a way that's uh, at least makes them more interesting and usable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Though I kind of wish it was easier to spam them as well. Because you're going to have to hold the R button and then hit Y when like your normal shooting button to spam up the missiles. But it's kind of uh, in a way that I've been just, you know, holding the switch uh, OLED uh, and just thinking I was going to shoot the the regular beam cannon, just started firing missiles because my stupid finger was sitting on the R button <laughs> and just held down when I wasn't realizing it. Uh, luckily, like you counter enemies or kill enemies or whatever, and they drop missiles and health like crazy, so you're not really too close to dying unless you do something really stupid, like mm-hmm. get into one of the heat rooms and then accidentally decide uh, instinctively to not go out the way you came in, but just keep going in as it just burns your health down. Uh, but that shield also can burn through it if you keep it on long enough. Mm-hmm. And they don't really explain it too well, but to fill it back up, you just need to move around with its uh, deactivated, uh, that meter. But you mm-hmm. also get uh, other things you can uh, do to get around that's pretty neat. But yeah, like my my enjoyment of this game is kind of waiting a little bit, mostly because I feel like there are uh, just areas I don't enjoy getting around in. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of hoping there are upgrades that let me get around them more easily. Uh, like water kind of sucks to be in uh, for a lot of the, the game because you just can't move like you normally can, uh, that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh, it probably still sits under a few indie uh, and my history with Metroid series is I've not finished any of the games. Metroid Prime's probably my favorite one. I still don't think I've played it more than like 10 hours or something like that. Uh, as for the 2D ones, I'd say Metroid's probably my favorite, even though I hate that it doesn't have a, uh, a mini-map in it, mm-hmm. which means I should probably play the, the new version of it on the GBA that I never got around to playing. So it's sort of a series that I never really decided to look up a walkthrough when I got stuck. So I just mm. got stuck and just like, oh, well, I'll move on to something else and never came back. That kind of thing. Uh, I think the other issues I have with Sam uh, with uh, Dread is that the load times are long. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you are moving to other areas, it pulls up this stupid long sequence of it going to your uh, world map, highlighting the area it's taking you to. You're like, do you want to go there? So if I accidentally activate the the teleport spot, I just have to go through this whole thing to be like, no. Uh, And when you're warping over to the other area, it just shows a zoomed in uh, footage of Samus standing in whatever it is that's taking her over there. I mean, like those load screens are actually kind of long, but I don't know. I I, I actually think that they're they're, they're pretty well done for how long they are. Yeah, but it's sort of the thing like you're trying to figure out what you're supposed to do. And constantly going through those things. And you get teleports mm. to do it more directly, but it's still like 
taking you to specific places on the map. Yeah. Uh, that's well, our... one of the coolest touches in the game is uh, talking to that like circular machine who pretty much summarizes everything that's going on. And yeah. it's kind of weird because as welcome as welcoming as that is, because I, I do I do enjoy the fact that I don't ha- I don't have to read it. It's actually well voice acted. Um, yeah. The, the weird part is that, you know, if you've played like uh, Metroid Fusion and others, like in certain areas like that here, uh, Samus pretty much just talks about what just happened. And like, um, it seems like there's going to be a whole lot of different stuff that's more integral to the Metro, to, to the overall or the overarching Metroid plot here. And yeah. Samus doesn't talk. So it's, it's, it's weird in the sense that I think like the game as a whole is well designed as far as like, you know, the, the the level design the the music and whatnot um but then uh and you know they, they do a good job making samus being a badass bounty hunter because the poses she has with every boss fight are absolutely hilarious but then yeah she, she doesn't feel human anymore and um the last few metroid games did a much better job uh doing that um and like you know that that's something i'll give credit to other m4 even though everyone hates it um it, it it definitely gave Samus more of a personality. This one just like makes her a badass for now. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot of just stuff that's uh for me that I kinda wish there was a more powerful switch that could load faster. Mm-hmm. Just to make it easier to when you're at the point of the you know, not knowing where you're going. So you're hunting for things to uh rooms to go into and whatnot that you have not been into that it can kind of drag a little bit because these loading uh, bits are uh, not as concise. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is uh, versus just going to the map saying, I like to warp here and go. Mm. Like, I think that maybe is the the issue is not being able to just warp wherever it has to be bespoke areas you go to. Mm. Uh, but once you beat the Emmy areas, uh, at least kill the Emmy in that area. You can kind of explore more freely. Mm. Uh, and luckily kind of getting around the map since it's, it's not one big overall map. It's like six or seven small ones. Uh, getting across is not as tedious as it looks mm. initially. Uh, as you can speed around at the point I'm at, uh, there's even faster ways to get around. So there's uh, a lot to go. Uh, with the upgrades, but once you get to like your next big upgrade, which you can probably guess what it's going to be, Dan Reb, mm. uh, it'll just start, you know, just drowning you in upgrades to add more stuff to, for you to get around in. So, yeah, I mean, like I already know, as soon as I find the morph ball, I am totally going to enjoy it a whole lot more. Like yeah. it's just weird. Like normally, that's the first thing you find, and like I know that they want to be different, but I'm like, okay, this is just too out of out of the ordinary here. <laughs> yeah, though I do like yeah, that cool. you have the. Like the parkour slide, uh, yeah. Though I kind of wish you had the, you know, when you have a wall with a hole in it, you could just crawl through it. Like it's weird uh, that they, and they do have hold some on to them, but you can't crawl through them. Like, come on. Yeah, you can shoot through it, but you can't do anything else. And once you get the morph ball, it actually makes. Yeah, there are some platforming areas that are bad because of the morph ball, because anytime you hold, there are some ledges that they have stacked up on a wall. If you hold up, you go pull up into a morph ball. So you mm. can't do the thing that's instinctive, like, hey, I want to jump up uh, to the ledge above me. You have to hold away, jump onto a wall, wall jump up to the next thing. It's like so weird. I kept constantly, and using an analog stick, because you can't use a D-pad in this game to control Samus. 
So you don't necessarily realize the moment that you are slightly hitting up on the analog stick. It just pulls you up and you're done in this whole section. It's like stupid the way it's done. It's like, I kind of wish it wasn't so picky about some of that stuff, uh, the way it controls, but for the most part, it controls well. There's just very specific use cases that it doesn't. Mm. Like anytime you need to crouch, they're like, just give me a button that's initiate the crouch instead of having Mm -hmm. to stop moving and then hold down. Uh, But then the way the way it layers on different to the same buttons also can get uh, a bit weird and annoying, but that's stuff that'll happen later. So, I mean, like yeah, a lot of it, that's definitely, uh, just understanding the muscle memory part of it. As I said, like I've, I've struggled with the controls uh, here and there and yeah, it's just yeah. a matter of like continuing to play it and like get through it all. But I'm, I'm so far, I'm loving like how fluid it is. Uh, I do wish that you, you know, you were able to actually use the control pad, but uh, yeah. Other than that, like it, 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 it still feels good even with the control stick. It just feels awkward. Yeah, it's just not using the D pad for much of anything. That's the the annoying thing. Mm. But yeah, that's uh, that's Metroid Dread. Uh, we'll probably talk more about it next time once we get further into the game. Mm. But yeah, for the time being, uh, let's get to some news. All right. Finally, we got some news here. A bunch of stuff. Uh, it is Halloween season, mm-hmm. as it's been for like two and a half months, but technically it's officially Halloween season because games are putting up their mm-hmm. events for Halloween and for Rocket League that is called Haunted Hallows. And this year they have partnered with DC to do a Batman themed uh, event. Uh, so on the shop, you can buy uh, any of the three Batmobiles that they've had on the shop in the past. Uh, there's the Tumblr from Batman Origins. There's the uh, the the whatever the the very flat looking one from Batman versus Superman, and the <laughs> the more classic one from uh, Batman 1989. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that uh, as well as a series of challenges you can do uh, to earn a bunch of other cosmetic stuff that are uh, generally pretty good for the way they're set up. There's like Wheels with Mr. Freeze's head in the uh, the hubcap area. Uh, there's like a boost that just puts a bunch of ha-has outside out of it, uh, like the the Joker thing. Uh, there's one that's very Ivy esque, sort of shooting plants out of the boost. A mm-hmm. uh, bunch of other stuff, toppers and skins and all that kind of stuff that are all pretty good. Things. It's one of their best sort of uh, holiday events they've done in a while. Uh, a lot of the other ones have not been super great of late, but this one's really cool. So, didn't worth checking out. It's out now until I think the first November first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can uh, get in and play that. They also have a special limited time mode. I'm forgetting what that's called. Gotham City Rumble. Uh, power ups are now themed after Batman and his enemies. So they have power ups based on that. So like the the boxing glove is a Joker style boxing glove, uh, you know, bunch of stuff like that. So yeah, that's neat. Uh, let's get to Fallout Three on Steam. Has finally got an update. People have literally been waiting for uh, thirteen years, I guess, since it came out on Steam, which is that they've removed games for Windows Live from that thing. So you no longer, when you launch it, uh, it mm-hmm. will 
no longer have this archaic PC version of Xbox Live. Yeah. That still required you to go download and install whatever Games for Windows Live still is mm-hmm. to access your DLC in the game, as well as uh, enabling you to get achievements, which you could if you wanted to just go through the console and uh, activate them all just mm-hmm. by hand. I was like typing like activate achievement one, two, three, four, five, you know, going through all of them. Mm-hmm. So now it just, I think they recommend uh, when you're downloading, like uh, if you've already installed it, had it installed, they suggest uninstalling it and reinstalling it just to be sure uh, mm-hmm. that that is no longer an issue. So uh, it'll actually just launch into the game like it's, you know, a proper uh, video game rather than mm-hmm. one based on this weird period of uh, Microsoft Xbox history. Mm-hmm. But they tried to get uh, Xbox Live going as a PC thing. That PC gamer said, no, fuck off. I want to say mm-hmm. there's a few other games out there that still have it as a a part of it, but... This one uh, makes sense because I think in the the GOG version of Fallout Three that was not uh, an issue at that mm-hmm. point. So good news. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and this is like, well, like twelve years after the fact, but yeah. Hey, I'll take is Microsoft buying them to finally get this to happen. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Microsoft, Game Pass for PC is getting. Uh, Two new games coming November 2nd Mm -hmm. uh, as a result of this event that happened the other day, Minecraft Live. They revealed that finally for Game Pass uh, PC that they're going to offer Minecraft Java Edition and Bedrock Edition. I guess it's going to be just a bundle of Minecraft on there. I guess the way they describe it here is a little weird. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they finally got the Java version in the Windows Store essentially which is good because the way that you've had to access it for 12 years at this point has been very weird mm-hmm. you go to minecraft.net log into your account uh like you know most people don't do for video games now mm-hmm. and like download the launcher there and sort of launch it and all that mm-hmm. uh, so it'll make it a bit easier for people to access though it would be nice if you already owned that java edition you could say get it for free outright on the yep. Windows. But I think as long as you owned I forget how they unlocked the the Bedrock edition on PC for people that owned it. It might have been through the Java edition mm-hmm. linked your account there at some point. So maybe they will. I don't know. They don't describe that here. They're just talking about Game Pass. So people would play that Java edition, which still gets up updated a good bit. Uh but now it's gonna be uh, a little bit more accessible. For non, like, OG Minecraft weirdos. So, there's that. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, Solar Ash. Solar yep. Ash was going to be out, not this week, but the week after that, the 26th, October mm-hmm. 26th. Uh, they announced that, hey, we're, you know, going to be delaying this to December 2nd. Saying, let's see, Heart, Heart Machine and Annapurna Interactive decided to delay the release of Solar Ash until December 2nd. 2021, we want Solar Ash to shine and we need a bit more time to get the last pieces of polish and bug fixes into the game. Mm-hmm. Also, navigating the global pandemic as a highly dedicated team, 
the short delay will help us get there. So, yeah, mm. I didn't necessarily need it to be here right now, but uh, glad they're still not too far away. Yeah. Less than two months still. Uh, so that'll be out December 2nd for PS5, PS4, and PC. Mm-hmm. So there you go. All right. I mean, yeah, uh, that just means they'll have more time to actually make it better, honestly. Yep. Um, make sure it's ready for launch. Yeah, honestly, I wish more games did this. Yeah, but people are fine with games being a bit buggy at launch. Yeah, they are. <laughs> so it tends to be a thing that people just like, I want it now and update it later. Mm-hmm. Then you get cyber uh, cyberpunk. Ah, like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck you. Uh, yeah, speaking of PC here, mm-hmm. Monster Hunter Rise is coming to the PC in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there is a demo that's out now. People can check out. But people are wondering, hey, are you going to do something cool like have cross save or cross play uh, for people that are on the Switch? That's you know maybe like the better graphics and continue on and not have to start over. Mm-hmm. And Capcom responded uh, with a tweet here saying, "We've heard your request for cross save slash cross play for Monster Hunter Rise and Sunbreak, but unfortunately, after looking through it, looking into it throughout the development process, we found we are unable to implement it at this time. As always, we appreciate your continued feedback and support. Mm. And a lot of the feedback uh, or comments I've seen on this, like, okay, I'll buy it on PC and start over." Like, okay, good. You're sending a great message. Mm-hmm. Also, they're going to do that anyway. Mm. It's weird for them to make this game knowing there's going to be a PC version that was known before the Switch version launched and not have that enabled in some way. So, financially, it makes a lot of sense for them to say no and have people like, oh, well, I'll buy it anyway. Mm-hmm. And they get double dipped. People like that, I guess, for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why, but. Especially when it's going to. A DLC expansion as well. Mm-hmm. So, hey, whatever. They can enjoy or not enjoy it, whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's get to some games being announced for next year. Mm-hmm. There is a remake, remake of a classic game here. Uh, yep. Joe and Mac Caveman Ninja. Yep, I remember these games. Yep, this is the, the first game they're remaking from publisher Microids and developer Mr. Nuts with a Z studio, which I believe that studio is named after a game called Mr. Nuts that the team had worked on back in the day. Uh, so that's kind of weird, but these are also the same people who worked on that uh, Toki remake that came out a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. That looked really nice. Uh, next, they're also working on Asterix and Obelix game. So Mm-hmm. There's that. Uh, looks really nice from what the the screenshots they've shown so far. Uh, yeah, there'll be more of that some out, out sometime next year. They just say consoles and PC, so no real specifics there either. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's going to hit most of the consoles out there. Probably at least one or two of the storefronts on PC. So. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yep, that'll be next year at some point. Uh, this next one here. Is a very nerdy ass game. Oh yeah, called The Invincible, based yep. on a 1964 sci-fi novel of the same name. Yep, by Stanislaw Lem, same guy who wrote Solaris. Yeah, 
So yeah, it's uh, very much like you're on what the planet Regis Three. Yep. Your team of explorers looking for a missing uh, ship you were supposed to be landing with. Yep. And you find out there's aliens. Well, kind of. I I haven't read the book, but I am familiar with the overall storyline. Um, they, and a lot of people who are in the been commenting on this have been suggesting that. Okay, so what you need to know about this is this game was made, the developers of it is made up of people who were originally part of CD Projekt Red. So they worked on The Witcher and Cyberpunk as well. And a lot of people are suggesting, there's it's been suggesting that this is actually, the game takes place after the events of the original book. Sort of like how the Witcher games take place after the end of the original Witcher series. Um suggesting that, you know, these are the people left over after the end of the original. But basically, what the story of The Invincible is, is it's about a group of cosmonauts who are en route landing to, like they said, Reginus Three, a planet, and when they get there, they find that the planet is not only already inhabited, but it's inhabited by a group of a race of autonomous machines who seem to be you know, sort of making and remaking themselves at their own whim. And of course, what's really cool about this game is just the future retro, the retroistic, you know, the future retro aesthetic, which just looks really damn cool. Yeah. And they Um, seem to be talking about branching storyline stuff as well. mm -hmm. And I love, I, I love the idea behind the instrument that she's carrying with her that, sensor thing whatever it is i don't know why but it's it's we it's like weirdly simple and yet it also implies so much for some reason yeah so yeah that is uh happening uh, i think it'll be launching next year mm-hmm. it was going to launch this year but they ended up just delaying it mm-hmm. uh, ps5 xbox series x and s and pc yeah Graphically, it looks damn good. You can definitely tell this is a new generation game. <laughs> yeah. they, I'm pretty sure they made it in Unreal Five. So, but yeah, let's uh, let's get to a couple of trailers here from DC Fandom. Yep, uh, they put out two story trailers for each of their uh, for their next two big games. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Gotham Knights, yeah, sort of co-op action RPG that. Uh, sort of follows up the uh, the Batman series, but does not feature Batman because he's dead. Yeah. And features the Court of Owls as the main antagonist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yep. you have the, the option of playing Batgirl, Nightwing, Red Hood, and Robin as All right. part of your crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's really interesting. I mean, like, um, for those of you that follow the Batman mythos, like the Court of Owls is, uh, holy shit, that's a hell of an antagonist to have. It'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how they work that out in the video game. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they ever put that in a, in a Batman movie. But, yeah, I am I am totally excited for this. Um, honestly, this story trailer didn't do much for me, but I do like the the horror vibe that they have. Um, granted, I'm not much for horror games, so that'll probably, like, fuck me up. But mm. aside from that, uh, based on, you know, the gameplay uh, action we've seen over the last couple of years... 
I don't know how much they've been tuned up, but uh, hopefully it's solid, and I'm hoping it's not an Avengers kind of thing. So, Well, to be fair, I mean, the Court of Owls story in general is a pretty horror story for Batman. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, so that is happening, like, next year. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have any sort of date yet, so we're still waiting on that. But, yep, that's happening next year. Mm-hmm. Also happening next year is Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Yep. It's the new uh, game from Rocksteady, the creators of the Arkham series. I feel like they should rename that to Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League, no colon in there. And it just <laughs> kind of goes full in on you know, the point of the game, that kind of thing, and doesn't have this whole weird sound to it, but... Yeah, the trailer, we got to see some story stuff, characters doing their thing. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. I don't think there's much gameplay in this, just... No, it's pretty stuff. much all just cinematic yeah. cutscenes. I, I yeah, guess, like, that's, that's the that's, that's that's the frustrating part, because everything we've seen out of Suicide Squad was just trailer CG stuff. We haven't seen any gameplay from them yet. Um, then again, it's Rocksteady. They've always done well, but at the same time, you want to see something, especially if it is coming out next year. Mm-hmm. Yep, so that one, I believe, is just an exclusive for the next-gen consoles, PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC. Yeah. So I believe uh, Gotham Knights is on the older ones, mm-hmm. uh, but this uh, Suicide Squad is on the newer consoles. So there's that. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of the, the gist of what Fandom was for the game side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's... Some neat stuff, just not really anything concrete in terms of mm-hmm. release date or gameplay footage. We had Gotham Knight footage. Was that last year or was that earlier this year? I forget when. Was that whole mm-hmm. like gameplay demo last uh, year stuff? They also yeah. confirmed the delays last year as well. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, let's right. get to something that has been out, been out for a while. PlayStation VR. It's been out for five years now. Uh. Surprising realizing that. Uh, they put out a big PlayStation blog post talking about uh, a lot of different things. Uh, they celebrated the fifth anniversary showing the top five most played games globally by playtime hours, mm-hmm. uh, which number one is Rec Room, which makes sense because that's a free-to-play game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a game that does pretty well. There's Beat Saber, which also makes sense because it's a very popular game. Uh, it's never been on sale because... It's the second most played game of the mm-hmm. PS4 VR stuff. Uh, there's PlayStation VR Worlds, which was a good, like, uh, quick experience kind of thing for the launch of that thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's been, I think it was free during some point. I forget when, but that, there's that. There's Skyrim VR is number four, which makes yeah. a lot of sense. People like Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Uh, put it in VR. Then there's Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. Also, uh, another not surprise. People love the mm. VR and that thing. They also broke it out to the different regions. Like Europe has Rec Room, PSVR Worlds, Beat Saber, Elder Scrolls, Skyrim VR, and Resident Evil 7 mm. Biohazard kind of swaps two and three on that global list. Mm-hmm. Uh, for North America's Rec Room, Beat Saber, Skyrim VR, Job Simulator, Firewall Zero Hour. Uh, which I think that Firewall was because that was on PS Plus at some point, Job Simulator was just a very popular game. Mm-hmm. In Japan's where that list gets thrown out the window, kind of. 
Uh, it's Resident Evil 7, number one, Skyrim VR 2, PlayStation yeah. VR Worlds, Beat Saber, then Gran Turismo Sport, number mm-hmm. five. Which is like, oh, I, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, part of this, they have a bunch of like Q&A stuff with various developers that worked on VR stuff, talking about uh, various things about their experience and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also mentioned here that, let's see, starting in November, PlayStation Plus members will get three PSVR bonus games for no extra charge. Mm-hmm. So if you have PSVR, you can check that out uh, and get three free games, at least for as far as PS Plus is concerned. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what those are. I wonder if one of them is going to be Astrobot Rescue Mission, because that would be a game that those people should be playing. Mm-hmm. If they have not, because I'm wondering if they're going to be big games or if they're going to be smaller stuff. Yeah. Could be that. Could be. What else would I throw in there? Like Job Simulator, I would throw in there. Mm-hmm. It's one that maybe people should, but you also have to worry about people that already own it. Maybe throw in like the, the Iron Man game mm-hmm. that Sony made. I don't know. There's There's a lot there that could be interesting or maybe stuff that's coming up. I don't know anything that's coming out. Mm. that soon so i don't know but we'll tell you probably in about two weeks mm-hmm. uh, yeah two weeks should be it they'll reveal it next week mm. what the psvr stuff is so we'll probably find out soon enough but uh let's get to uh, the biggest news of the week the animal crossing new horizons direct yep that has taken over discussion of nintendo for the week Mm, pretty much uh, for good and bad reasons, as you will see. Yeah, so the first bit here is they have announced uh, the big updates, free update that is coming November 5th with a bunch of new stuff mm-hmm. to it that people have been uh, hoping for. I believe it's also going to be essentially the last big update for the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Brewster is going to open a cafe in the museum. So you can kind of chill and hang out and whatever, get coffee and other weird stuff like that. Yeah. You can invite characters to join you if you have their amiibo cards. Uh, also friends as well if you have those. Mm-hmm. Let's see. You can go on a boat tour with Cap'n, which I think was my favorite part of the 3DS game. Because mm-hmm. uh, he had lots of great little songs there. Uh, yeah, Captain hangs out at the pier. It'll take you to one of the remote islands on his boats. Mm. Uh, yeah, you get the sea shanty he serenades you with along the way. is also part of the fun. Yeah, you arrive at islands with mysterious flora that's never been seen before. Islands with different seasons and times of day. I'm guessing the find, you know, mm-hmm. stuff, fruits, whatever that you maybe haven't uh, had on your island. Mm. Uh, let's see. They're also bringing back gyroids. Mm. It's fucking annoying ass little things from the GameCube game. Yep. Uh, they were like looking like, uh, I don't know, like fire hydrants, but come to life. Mm. Mixed with cactuars. Mm. Uh, as you would get near them and they would just start gyrating and making noise and all that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can customize them to match your surroundings when you place them. I remember just putting them all in my basement in the GameCube version. Mm. It's like, just get away from me. Let's see, there's a shop open on Harv's Island. Uh, or they're opening up like a market of shops. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a little help from his friend Harriet. 
Harvey is inviting some shops to the island for an open market. Tribute Bell's the cause to make it happen. Get Red, Sahara, Kicks will have shops here now. I assume so you don't have to wait for them to just randomly show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reese and Cyrus's shop will f- offer furniture customization that can't be done through DIY workbenches. Mm-hmm. Katrina's shop uh, will look at your fortune of the day. Harriet can even teach you some different hairstyles. So mm-hmm. kind of filling in a bunch of things that I think I forget which game that was from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there was a, like a shop thing in the 3DS game as well that had uh, some of that stuff mm. that's in there. Uh, cooking, you can cook uh, you know, DIY recipes for that. Mm-hmm. Grow vegetables in your garden like tomatoes, wheat, sugar cane, potatoes, and carrots. And combine them with other ingredients and such and make uh, a dinner mm. on a dining table and all that. And let's see, the last thing here, Nook Inc. will offer further support for your island life. A group stretching at the plaza and bigger home storage. Resident representative being able to establish ordinance like reducing mm. the rate at which weeds grow or making all residents get up early in the morning. There are more options to help you enjoy and adjust the island to fit your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It took them 18 months to do this fucking thing where you can have everybody be up at the time of day that you are able to get on. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. That was something that was started on the uh, 3DS version. Main reason being, I mean, like, you know, if you're playing this game in real time and you don't have time to play in the daytime, you can only play at night. And guess what? Everything's closed, so you can't do anything. So you have to time travel. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Definitely a welcome change there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a shame that they're kind of essentially done supporting it, though this is a lot of the the stuff people would have wanted. Mm-hmm. Probably would have liked it being spread out a bit more over the past year or so. Yeah. Rather than coming out here, you know, a year and a half later. Mm. But yeah, there's that, and then they announced a big expansion called Happy Home Paradise. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Work with Lottie as a member of the Paradise planning team. Yeah, clients with different dream vacation requests will visit a new resort area located in the archipelago. See, made up of several different islands where the Paradise Planning team is located. You can talk to a client, find out the details of their request for a vacation home, and then make their dreams happen. Mm. This is very much like that what, Happy Home Designer game on the 3DS. Mm-hmm. And you design dream vacation homes based on what the clients want. I assume you get graded and all that kind of stuff for the various things you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you gain experience, you get more furniture options to open up. Uh, all that kind of stuff. There's the Happy Home Network. Capture photos mm-hmm. of the vacation home. Uh, vacation homes you design, save them to your catalog, which you can check out through the in-game Happy Home Network app in your Nook phone. Mm-hmm. On this app, you can also access the showroom to view the building examples of designers from all over the world. We post their creations online mm-hmm. and you can follow the designers you like and view their samples for inspiration. So you can use right. the email to invite more people for clients mm-hmm. into the game. And yeah, you can use those techniques you've learned uh, on mm-hmm. your home island as well. So more variety there, I assume for uh, building out your home, designing it and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of neat. Uh, that is going to be a, uh, $25 DLC expansion out also on November 5th. Mm-hmm. Let's see, there's also going to be another set of Amiibo cards 
mm. as well. They're going to put out in stores, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, six bucks each. They're going to put up the other ones as well. Mm. Yeah, let's see what else. Yeah, 48 characters total in Series 5. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot. Oh, yeah. Putting new characters and characters you've never before seen in Amiibo card form. <laughs> Why don't they just make these like digital things you can unlock in the game? Maybe you will. I don't know. Because already the Pokemon card stuff is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty big deal because when, uh, when New Horizons first came out... Um, they had a whole bunch of characters that were brand new to the series. And because of that, you know, they already had the cards that were out, but the cards never encompassed any of the new characters. So like on a lot of the third, the third party, you know, animal crossing community sites, like Nook is on people were paying like, you know, 5 million bells or like 40,000, like Nook miles tickets to be able to invite specific characters onto their Island mm. and, you know, have, have them as like, you know, regular Island residents. So the fact that they're finally making these amiibo cards will, uh, you know, bring that market down because uh god forbid people people were actually paying actual money to have <clears throat> yeah yeah so there's that uh let's see where's the last bit here and the biggest news that sent the internet into a tizzy is that uh they also talked about the nintendo switch online plus expansion pack yeah uh which is going to include the nintendo 64 games the mm-hmm. genesis games and the Happy Home Paradise DLC uh, as part of its new price of forty nine ninety nine for 12 months. Family membership is seventy nine ninety nine. That's the only option you have is a full year's uh, subscription. Unlike Not a the, monthly, a full year. Yeah, the main tier that just gives you the NES and Super Nintendo games and the, you know, the Tetris 99 and that's uh, still getting the, the monthly, the three-month, and the 12-month options. All the same prices as it was before, just for an extra $30 for uh, the 12 months. Or the I think they're doing a thing where you can get a prorated discount, essentially, mm-hmm. for whatever the rest of your term is, uh, which is especially bad for people that have stacked up multiple years. So I think it would be thirty bucks for each year you have full year you have plus whatever uh prorated amount for the remainder of the current year you're on. Mm-hmm. So those people have kind of shot themselves in the foot, but like if you have less than a year, it might not be such a bad price to pay to try it out for the rest of your term, and then if you don't want to keep that, you can just pay the regular twenty bucks mm-hmm. when your next year comes. Right. Yeah, a lot of people saw that as like that is way too much for that. And obviously uh, they probably realized that and said like, Hey, we should put this DLC on there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. It's not a permanent ownership of it. You just <clears throat> have access to all the stuff that that gives you for the length of that sub. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, j- just to get out of the way, uh, Nintendo knew exactly what they were doing here. But uh, before I talk about the online thing, just to go real quick about the animal crossing stuff. Um, if you were to make a wish list of what you want to happen in Animal Crossing New Horizons, in my opinion, I don't know, um, I would have to like ask Teresa as well, but in my opinion, they pretty much hit everything on the head here. Like Anything you could possibly want in Animal Crossing that seems possible is now going to be possible in two and a half weeks um, with both the download and the, and the uh, DLC. Like, you know, um, being able to uh, 
uh, up your uh, storage is great. Being able to decorate by using your storage is awesome. Um, I don't know how useful cooking will be, but that's also a cute thing. Um, the gyroids, like, I was wondering where the hell they were this entire time, and here they are. Um, you have Harvest Island. Like, in the main game, like, it was useless. All you did there was take pictures. And it was kind of weird, because when you went there, like, it just seemed like there wasn't much to do. And now that it turns into a whole plaza, you know, it opens a whole lot more possibilities. And then I already talked about how important the ordinances were. And then moving mm -hmm. on to the DLC, you know, I never played any of the Happy Home games. Um, but this one appears to do a whole lot more. And it's funny because the way you actually activate it is you go into the airport. Yeah, you talk to Wilbur and say, I want to go to work. And, you know, to me, that's hilarious because, like, this game is all about chilling. And all of a sudden, people are going to be excited about going to work. Like, come on. Um, so it's interesting here because, like, yeah, you're working at the same time. They're paying you a totally separate currency. So if you've spent this whole year, like, you know, adding uh, bells and Nook Miles tickets to your accounts, like, you know, none of that matters. Like, they're actually giving you a reason to spend even more hours playing on this DLC. And a lot of it <clears throat> seems rather cool. Like, um, I'm not a big designer guy, but I know a lot of people that are because I, I have a bunch of friends who are into uh, who are on the design home development team over at EA. So that's pretty interesting. Um, you know, making remodeling and roommate recommendations to people who are actually living on your island is pretty cool because if you're like me, who uh, towards the latter part of like my life with the game, just trying to get the, the photos of every villager, I just gave them gifts and gifts and gifts, and those gifts ended up being furniture that ended up ruining their house. So if you build the rapport with your villager and you're able to actually like remodel their house, like you know, it it does add another sense of ownership to you playing God in the game, and that's yeah. pretty awesome. I already talked about the amiibo. The amiibo, they're, they're, they're awesome as long as, like, you know, I hope people are actually able to buy the cards they want to buy without worrying about, you know, an upcharge or anything like that. And, uh, yeah, like, as far as the value, like, $25 for the DLC totally makes sense to me. Um, and that being said, you know, moving on to the online, yeah, this is a really bad deal. Um, unless you play Animal Crossing, which a lot of people do, and, you know, it's the second highest selling game on the Switch. Like, we're, I'm going to expect people are going to... I'm going to expect that fans of Animal Crossing watched this direct, saw that this is going to be free with online, and that's fantastic. But if you don't play Animal Crossing, yeah, this is a pretty bad predicament. I mean, like, you're, you're essentially adding Nintendo 64 and Sega Genesis games to your, uh, you know, to your uh, growing library, albeit. But uh, how does that equal paying 150% more than what you were already paying? Mm. Uh, granted... You know, with a family plan, it's still $10 a year, which is, you know, it, it's extremely affordable. But just because it's affordable doesn't mean it's a good deal. Like, you know, um, case in point, I, I, I talked about it in our, in, our, in our chat earlier. Like, you know, I've, I've uh, spent $10 in the worst ways, but there, there, there's really nothing good about this at all. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I also pay for Xbox Live and, uh, or uh, Game Pass Ultimate, and I hardly ever use it. But I know that you know, they're continuing to update that service. The online is great. Nintendo never said anything about making their online any better. So it's tough here. And I don't know exactly what Nintendo can do to actually make this seem worth it. And that's part of the reason why they actually just put this as part of the Animal Crossing presentation, because that'll be a value to them. But to their, like, you know, their their loyal fans, it's tough. And I know, like, when when you're running a business, you're not in the business to save anybody any money. And Nintendo has, like, a... a a grown-in fan base that'll spend it anyway. But, I don't know, it's just it's just a really tough value proposition because Nintendo is finding different ways to charge for the same games you already own, and, like, mm -hmm. that sucks. Um, 
if like I'm I'm trying to think of ways that actually gives this value some thought, and the only thing I can think of is the fact that the N64 did not have uh, a classic mini system, uh, and the, the the Genesis did. So a lot of those games are all, are all going to be there, and I'm wondering like how much Sega charged in order to get to get this on here because like again like a 150% increase is a lot and like yeah Nintendo like does put a premium on their on their services and stuff but it's never been this much so i don't know whether it was licensing or whether it was just you know pure from the top where yeah these these people will give us money for free but mm. i don't know it's just it's just confusing and again i don't know what Nintendo can do to actually make this value seem worth it like i mentioned in the chat like if if they added GameCube for free would would that make it worth it i'm, I'm maybe but they're not going to do that so I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah. the thing that they could do is offer up some of their older games on the Switch. You know, a one two switch or arms or some of this other stuff where mm-hmm. it maybe didn't do super well. Uh they but could be good additions to that to get people to check out some of that stuff. Mm. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm expecting and really hoping that that they do is, you know, given that we got this Animal Crossing DLC for quote-unquote free this year. I'm hoping next year it'll be something else just as important. But, you know, like you said earlier, like, if if you uh, if you downgrade or cancel your subscription, you also lose that DLC. But luckily, cons- considering you learned those skills and you can bring, bring them back into the original game, like, you still have that there. You just don't have that extra premium game to do, so. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, it's tough, especially with where the, where the Switch is at. Like, I would say they're probably going to be done within three maybe four years and mm-hmm. the value proposition yeah especially when i think the thing that would help them out a lot is a concrete plan for when those other n64 games and genesis games are coming to the service mm-hmm. like lay out like how often they're going to be coming in that kind of thing when something they never did with the nes yeah. or super nintendo stuff they keep coming out as a surprise, and and then when those surprises happen, they're of games we've we've never heard of, and that's just that's frustrating. Mm-hmm. Even when those were more new, they still weren't very erratic with when they added them. It was like every few months, but never sort of a completely like a concrete plan to keep you going. And then that's you know a year later they added the Super Nintendo stuff to like give you another reason and then they skipped the year at least and and this year they kind of added the Nintendo 64 and the Genesis stuff but that's also coming with a uh, a much higher tier cost for that mm-hmm. but it's like I would say well the Genesis stuff even though they have some third party stuff in that uh, the downside is that there's this thing on the eShop called the, the Sega Genesis Collection Yeah, that's yeah, the release that has a bunch added- more games on it and they have the Sega Ages, so you can buy a lot of these games like single-handedly. So, <clears throat> and buy even more than what they have in this uh, service. Mm-hmm. And for the N64, it's like, oh, there's Super Mario 64. I have the the 3D collection that's on there. It's a better version. It has, yeah. uh, you know, looks a little bit better. It has some a uh, few tweaks to it uh, for controls and all that kind of stuff, but. Yeah, there's not much reason to get the service if I'm not a huge fan of the N64 games that yeah. are in it or the Genesis game. Yeah, and then like it's 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 tough to like even say who this is really even marketed to because like for 
for new or modern gamers, like at the end of the day, old game is old. And then you like for old timers like us, like, you know, we already have these. We've 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 spent our money on these. Like the the one like selling point for me with the Sega Genesis is it'll be cool to play Streets of Rage 2 online. Like that would be nice, but I don't imagine I'd I'd be doing that for like too long or even ever. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to have that option yeah. there. But, it's like I'm looking at this list. Uh Star Fox sixty four and the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, those are on the three DS. Like, you know what, if, if, if they added any of the N64 wrestling games on here, I would, like, yeah. have a different tone of voice. Like, I would still think it's a ripoff, but I would I, I would somewhat defend them there. But I also know that it's impossible with all the licenses. Yeah, uh, with all of those licenses, they have to create, like, a modified version of it to remove the wrestlers they don't have deals with. Yeah, I mean, like, not only that, but, like, for example, if they wanted to bring out WWF No Mercy, one, it's not WWF anymore. Uh, they have to take out all the WCW, ECW branding. They have to, a lot of those wrestlers uh, wrestle, wrestle for AEW. A lot of those wrestlers are dead. So it's, it's, it's a mess. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so you get that kind of, those would be games I would be excited about, but also I'm not that excited about those games anymore. Mm. Uh, as far as I can just go and emulate them if I want to really mm-hmm. play them because I'm not going to play them as like in, you know, play them hardcore anymore. Because uh, they're just kind of hard to go back to at this point. Uh, and some of these games, just if you're not super into them, it's like, uh, you know, Dr. Mario 64, maybe, but also I just play Dr. Mario. I think it's mm-hmm. on the NES collection. Uh, you know, Mario Tennis is like, you know what I would have killed if they had Game Boy and Game Boy Color and Advance and there, and I could play the original Mario Tennis on the Game Boy. That game rules, but they don't have it. Uh, so yeah, that's and the Genesis stuff is also weird. I think the controller sold out. The N sixty four controller uh, is sold out. I'm not sure about the Genesis one. I'm gonna double check on that real quick. Yeah, the Genesis collection there is solid for what it is, but it's also like Sonic the Hedgehog two, Streets mm. of Rage two. Or like, where are the other ones? Uh, I know I just... spent like 15 minutes like criticizing the online thing, but uh, I did not know the controllers went out, and I'm pissed off I didn't get any of them. <laughs> yeah, they went up around the time that they announced all that stuff. Okay, the Genesis controller is also out of stock. Like, that thing worked in the Sega Genesis collection that maybe could be neat. Mm. But also, eh. Mm. It does look like they do have home and screenshot buttons on them, so you can... Uh, use them to actually play uh, games and actually mm. get out of the games more easily versus having to touch the... You have to remap those buttons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if you have 2D games uh, or anything like that, you could definitely play that with the Genesis controller, <coughs> uh, something like that. So I can need the S64 controller is not going to be useful for much of anything because mm. anything that uses an analog stick would need two. Exactly. So, and yes, I know that the N sixty four and Sega Genesis are two of the worst design controllers of all time, but I still want mm-hmm. them. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, like, like I can uh, like specifically for me, the Nintendo sixty four really is badly designed. It's mostly because it completely like uh, I'm just glad shit like analog sticks and stuff became a thing because God, that that like this way. I can't tell you how many times and how many people the first time they tried to play um, Super Mario 64 on 
you know, like on the dis- on like the display and like stores and like Blockbuster and whatever. And the very controller itself goes against all logic that you associate with video game controllers. Because already you're dealing with something that is incredibly alien to the vast majority of gamers, which is a 3D platformer. That's all, you know, we've all been used to, you know, and going right to left, you know, I mean, left to right this whole time. And now all of a sudden we're going in all directions and somehow we're supposed to be able to immediately conceive of that. But at the same time, you have this controller where with six with Nintendo with the uh Nintendo 64, you're the D pad, you're using the analog stick, but every game that you've played up to this point has has taught you to hold a controller a certain way. So do you know how many times I and so many people had to try and stretch their freaking thumb from the right side from the left side of the controller to the center to get to that analog stick? When the game doesn't even tell you, oh, yeah, actually, you're supposed to just hold this thing from the middle to use the analog stick, not from the side. Yeah, the notion yeah, that they yeah. have it set up so that there's, like, two different ways to hold it mm-hmm. yeah, is really dumb with the way that people figured out. You want the, the, the DualShock, like, yo, you could just have it next to the D-pad. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, you, you, because that's ultimately what they ended up doing, because look at what, you know, the the... GameCube's controller was, which I mean, it had its own issues, but yeah, and I'm going to show oh, you something here yeah, that yeah. got announced alongside this. Uh, I think it's been out for a while, but the Retro oh, Fighters yeah, group yeah. that <laughs> announced their Brawler 64 mm. wireless edition that works on a Switch as well as PC, yep. uh, and sort of re jiggers the, the whole look of an N64 controller look more like a, you know, an Xbox controller. Your Makes it look actually functional <laughs> is yeah. what it does. Even mimicking the, the B and A letters on the buttons being mm-hmm. offset. Yeah. Yeah. In that maddening way. Even that's, that's 40 button. bucks too. It's 10 bucks cheaper. You get a controller that's better, easier to use. Or yeah. the fucking I remember, um, I don't know if you guys played Barman 64, but uh, mm-hmm. there was a code that you, you, you did at the beginning of the uh, at the start screen where you have to tap uh, the start button as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. I was never able to do it, but I was able to do it with a spoon. You know, I just scratched the spoon onto my start button, and that was the way I did it. But yeah, like, um, I don't know if, if, if you guys were, were like me, but whenever I bought a new N64 game, I always read the instruction manual. And I always thought the N64 controller was like next level because you could hold the controller three different ways. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's... That was a system I did not own very many games for. I would not be surprised if I never hit double digits on that system. Uh, I did have the wrestling games like WCW versus NWO Revenge. Uh, WrestleMania 2000 and probably No Mercy as well uh, for like the three of the best games. They're just great party games to have. Uh, with other people that uh, enjoyed those games. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just didn't have too many other games because there just weren't that many interesting games there. Like, I probably mm-hmm. had Super Mario 64. There just wasn't a ton there. Mm-hmm. Even from but Nintendo. It and it's just... Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, that's, I think, the 
the end of that discussion, Nintendo kind of announced this whole thing, and it's kind of a a wet fart of an announcement. <laughs> As uh, you know, uh, probably do pretty well, regardless. Oh yeah, criticism we have because people will want access to some of these games, even ones they already have access to on the same system. Mm-hmm. And don't require you to pay a yearly fee to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's that's that. I would probably I mean, do the upgrade just, just, for the prorated version of whatever it would cost for the rest of my uh, current year, but I would probably not pay forty nine ninety nine outright until I no. hear about more stuff coming in. It's weird. I mean, Nintendo should be riding high. They just came off an awesome direct. They mm-hmm. have. Sora in Super Smash Brothers, who people all love, despite him being another sword boy, but, you know, he's Sora, so it's fine. Metroid Dread is going to be the best-selling Metroid of all time. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, they also had an awesome had an awesome Animal Crossing Direct. And, yeah, let's all drop it on this price. So, <laughs> yeah. And there's going to Nintendo. Yep, so there's that. Uh, as if things weren't bad enough. Uh, Nintendo announced that there is a game-ending bug in Metroid Dread. Luckily, it is not too hard to uh, figure out how to do it, how to not to, how to avoid it at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, you're nearing the end of the game, and if you have map markers, uh, it says you're near the end of the game. If the player destroys a door while a map marker for that specific door is displayed on the map, the game will forcibly close, and the following message will appear. The software was closed because of an error occurred, uh, which is uh, not great. No, nope. I believe any chance, any time you try to load it, it will just close right again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yep. For a Jeez. Nintendo product, that is that that's not something you typically associate with a Nintendo game. Like they're usually pretty thorough about getting rid of any possible bugs you can you can encounter so much so that when you do end up encountering the rare bug, it like starts up entire freaking like urban legends surrounding them. I think it was a Wii game that required you to send in your Wii or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was a Zelda game. might've been Skyward Sword or something. Might've been. Some weirdest bug because they couldn't actually patch games mm-hmm. like you could on the PS3 or Xbox or 60, but uh, they do say there's going to be an update. Uh, later here in October, so uh, that's kind of uh, the way that you uh, can get that fixed. They also say you can potentially restart the game uh, and before playing through this sequence, remove the door icon map marker before uh, going in it to prevent this error from occurring, so you might be able to avoid it. But if not, uh, you'll just have to wait for that update or just start the game again. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have already beaten the game at this point, so it doesn't seem like it's that big of an issue to me. And it's not it's not deleting anything, so again, it's hardly a big deal, but yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate to see. Yep, so that'll be getting fixed here in the near future. All right. Uh, but what's not getting fixed anytime soon seems to be uh, the people at Mercury Steam. Yeah. Uh, essentially having a number of issues, but the, the big one is that some developers that are no longer at Mercury Steam finding out that they did not make the cut to get in the credits. Yep. Because they didn't meet the weird criteria they have for that. Uh, I think they say you have to have been at the studio for like 25% of 
its development, which is, mm-hmm. apparently took four years to make the game. So that means you had to have been there for 12 months. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a lot of time, especially if you work there for, say, 11 months, like one of the people said they did. And unfortunately, you did not get credited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and, uh, pretty shitty. Yeah, it's not an uncommon thing. It happens, happens a lot. lot yeah. I forget what it was. Was it NAS America, I think, that has some sort of similar thing where they don't credit people that haven't been there at least to the end of the development of a game. So if you leave for whatever reason, uh, there are... You just won't get credit. It won't be uh, as easily able to like show people like, hey, I worked on this game. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just fucking put their names on it. It's not that fucking hard. Mm-hmm. It's probably the easiest thing you could do is put names in that that list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this whole twenty five percent of a game's development thing is totally stupid. Like, I don't, I've I've never even heard of a company like even like listing like what day they've started and what day they've ended. Like, the most important thing is hitting your launch, you know. So, I don't know. Like, it's totally dumb. If if you did anything to help, whether it's like writing a piece of code, changing some sort of color, or even like you know something even incredibly simple, like your name should be on the game. If you're on the staff, you should be in there, especially with this game. Like, it's a Nintendo game. It's a well reviewed game. Like. It would suck to say that, oh, yeah, I, you know, I, I did this uh, slide move for Samus and you're not going to get credit for it. That's, that's, that's fucking stupid, you know, so put it in there, even yeah. if it's just for special thanks too. put them in there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... I do hope Nintendo, uh, you know, that I help they step in and try to fix that. It's not that hard to of a fix. Just give the people. Yeah. Their, their... yeah, there's definitely something going on with the uh, the Spain gaming industry that's kind of a little bit off in some ways because i know the the whole thing with tom hap and badlands publishing uh, for axiom verge that physical version on i think it's the the wii u uh that's publishers a spanish publisher and i believe the ultimate result of that is they dissolved the company so they wouldn't have to get to have to actually pay it mm-hmm. then limited run came in and helped pay at least a chunk of that to tom hap so that they would be the ones that would have to continue fighting that in courts. But I think they won, but, you know, there's no company anymore to get that money from. So it's like, yeah, there's some shitty people there. Obviously, like every other country. Oh, yeah. And it just seems uh, unfortunate that the you don't hear about too many, like, great developers in Spain. Though I'm sure there are. I wish yeah. they were the ones that were getting all the press instead of these shitty companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's that. That's uh, another bummer. Uh, let's get to another bummer here. The Genshin yep. Impact people, MiHoYo, had a whole big social media campaign uh, talking about... Uh, oh, God, this is so stupid. They wanted to get, essentially, people to follow this account named Ella Musk mm-hmm. at Paimon to the moon. Yeah. Uh, when they got 500,000 fans following it, Genshin Impact will be renamed. The Genshin Impact uh, Twitter account will be renamed back to Paimon. Mm-hmm. One, mil- one million follows uh, for that Elon Musk account. Genshin Impact will follow at Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. And when they get three million follows, Genshin at, in- at Genshin Impact will invite Elon mm-hmm. Musk to stream Genshin Impact. And when they hit five million fans following. 
Uh, their CEO will invite Elon Musk to visit MiHoYo headquarters. Mm. To which they did get Elon Musk to tweet about Genshin Impact. But enough people were just very annoyed that they would mm-hmm. try to get the the Elon Musk base uh, to add to their already huge player mm-hmm. base. Uh, just invite that kind of shitty uh, base of people to their to celebrate their game. Just annoyed many many people mm-hmm. to the point they just canceled this whole thing. Like seriously, what were you thinking? Yeah. But they did get Elon Musk to tweet, can't wait to be in Genshin Impact. <laughs> at you know, 4 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. So, yeah. Good job. Luckily, they're not doing anything further with this, so great. But the fact that you people thought this was a good idea in the first place mm-hmm. uh, is annoying. So, yeah, let's, uh, let's end here on another edition of uh, the Activision Blizzard uh, fuckery. Oh, uh, we, yeah. We talked about last week how uh, California's, uh, what is it, the geez, the DFEH uh, Department of Fair Employment and Housing mm. had uh, filed a complaint against these settlements that the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, uh, the federal group uh, signing a settlement with Activision Blizzard, for $18 million for this fund uh, that supposedly gave them the ability to start essentially mm. uh, wiping claims of harassment that employees had on their profiles to be able to start erasing that stuff. Uh, filing a complaint to stop this as it would endanger their own uh, lawsuit against Activision Blizzard. Uh, the EEOC has uh responded essentially accusing the California DFEH of using former EEOC lawyers to uh, work for them in this case, essentially as like a conflict of interest. It's a whole weird thing that's going on here, but yeah, there is now like a three-way legal battle between all three of these entities. Uh, let see, following a three-year investigation into Activision Blizzard by the EEOC, a potential settlement between the two parties mm. was reached and filed on the 27th of September. Uh, the $18 million proposed settlement was widely seen as a you know, slap on the wrist for Activision Blizzard. Uh, a week later, the California DFEH filed a motion to intervene in said settlement, claiming procedural mistakes on the part of Activision Blizzard and the EEOC and that it would damage their own trial against Activision Blizzard. And yeah, on the 9th, uh, last weekend, the EOC responded to the DFEH's unwelcome intervention motion by claiming that two of the DFEH's lawyers had a glaring conflict of interest. As before uh, joining the DFEH case, they previously played an essential role in the EOC's own investigation into Activision Blizzard, something that then made even more obfuscated by the revelation mm-hmm. that the EEOC and DFEH were participating in a work-sharing agreement where personnel and evidence would be shared between the two organizations for the duration of their respective investigations. So this is all kind of a weird-ass legal mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, so the EEOC points to multiple elements of the DFEH's filings that it alleges could have only been provided by former EEOC lawyers. Mm-hmm. Specific claims that the two attorneys, uh, attorneys helped to 
direct the EEOC's investigation, making this apparent conflict of interest even more blatant. Mm. Uh, this is a whole thing here to read. Uh, let's see. There is an update here. Presiding Judge Dale S. Fisher issued an order denying uh, California DFEH's ex parte motion mm. to get uh, involved in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Meaning that it will have to wait the normal time, seven days after meeting conferring to file its intervention motion against the EEOC, which is to say that this mess will continue to drag on for a little while longer. So basically the update is it's an even bigger mess now. Mm-hmm. And it's still ongoing, This even this part of it is very weird. So hopefully mm-hmm. we'll find out some more about this, but for the time being, this is a whole weird thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just yeah. a friggin' mess. Yeah. I mean, there's really another way to say it. It's a mess. Trash. Absolute trash. Yep. So, yeah, I think that'll end this episode here. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that'll be it. Uh, Thank you to Brandon Danner for joining this week. Always. Uh, We'll be back next week with a new slate of news. As we march towards the end of this month, we will have, I think, two more episodes. We'll literally be doing an episode on Halloween. Maybe we'll Mm -hmm. alter when we record that. I don't know what Halloween is in 2021. (laughs) I don't know. We'll figure that out. Uh, But yeah, thank you Mm -hmm. everybody for listening. Uh, Feel free to let uh, friends, family, and strangers know if you enjoy the show Mm -hmm. and spread the the happy news far and wide. Mm. Uh, We will be back next week with a new show. Yep. But for now, we'll let you guys go and uh, wish you a good week and we'll see you guys next time.